She Diaries. So, Pulses, today on She Diaries, our guest is Shamane Kahia. Shamane Kahia's higher education began with a BSc in biochemistry and microbiology from Rhodes University in Grahamstown, South Africa, and continued with another honorable, uh, with, with, with another honors in uh, BSc, this one in biological sciences from the University of Zimbabwe, awarded in 2014. Later that same year, Kahia, through African Institute, Institute of Biomedical Sciences and Technology. Uh, she secured a certificate in forensic DNA testing at Live Technologies in California and a certificate in uh, medicinal chemistry at Davidson College in North Carolina. Shamen Kahir is pursuing a PhD in pharmaceutical chemistry at KwaZulu Natal's Natal Catalysis uh, and Peptide Research Unit. Shamenka here remains highly sensitive to the need for women in STEM, particularly in Zimbabwe. To this end, she is an active mentor for girls through several organizations, including Zimbabwe Young Academy of Sciences um, and Zimbabwe Gender, uh, which is in STEM. That's Zimbabwe Gender in STEM. She is 2023 Mandela Washington Fellowship uh, Fellow, sorry, due to what she calls STEMinism, and was picked earlier this year for the Spock Africa initial cohort by Stanford University. I know I read a mouthful and there was science, science, science everywhere, but this is our She Diaries guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, pulses all over the world, let's give it up for Shamenka here. Shame, 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 shame. Oh my gosh, thank you for that. Yes, yes, the, 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 the intro had to be big. The intro had to be big. Shamin, welcome to Capitalk. Thank you for the welcome. Hi, everybody. Right. So between 12 and 3 o'clock, the people tuned into the radio are called pulses, right? Because they keep the heartbeat going. Oh, okay. Exactly. So this is where the life of the party is. Like, if the pulses are not here, uh, the heartbeat, nothing is happening. It's dead. Uh, it's dead. It's dead. We're checking for a pulse every now and again. So we are so happy to have you, Shemaine, as our She Diaries guest. And I know there's lots of science around you, but before we get into that whole STEM and, you know, getting into forensics and all of that, I think that's the most interesting part for me right now. <laughs> like the whole forensic. Because when I think forensic, I'm thinking NCIS. That's, that's, that's one. <laughs> right. It's going to be a lit one. So let's hear from Shemaine Kahir from the age of 12. What was the childhood like? Actually, it starts before that uh-huh. with what my dad calls career mapping. Okay, let's talk about that. So you spoke about parenting. Mm-hmm. So my dad started with us when we were around five, six years, asking us what we wanted to be. And then I wanted to be a scientist because I always used to ask why. Why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? No. And my parents were... You were that child. I'm that child. Like 300 (laughs) questions. Or more. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So they literally bought me a book called Tell Me Why. 
Okay. Because why was my favorite question? Mm-hmm. So it was a science book that explained all these weird facts. Like, my mind is weird. I think about things like, is the green you see the green I see? Turns out it might not be according to science. Yeah. Um, why do people have different voice tones? Things like that. Why uh, our nose is bigger and flatter? It's all scientific. So everything is science. And that's what I also want people to know. Science mm. is not hard. Everything is science. No matter what you do, if you're a baker, that's science. PCR was invented by a baker. Mm-hmm. So my dad helped me narrow that passion to specifically medical science and forensic science. So I wanted to do both, and I ended up getting to do them both wow. in an interesting way. And okay. so he helped me work backwards. What would it take for me to get a degree in science? Mm-hmm. It would take a certain number of A-level units, points. Right. right. Um, what would it take for me to study those subjects? It would mm-hmm. take me to do a certain subject at all level and backwards until I got to where I was in grade one. Mm-hmm. So what did I need to do in grade one to get me to where I wanted to be at university? So that's why I say starting at 12 is too late because you're already in grade seven Mm -hmm. and there's already seven years of foundation that has happened. Oh, wow. And my parents are not scientists. So that's why they were also frustrated by my questions. What does she want us to do? Exactly. Oh, my gosh. So even for the forensic passion, remember this is back before internet was a thing like now. Yeah. My dad would go and Google over two hours worth of information on forensics, on Mm -hmm. medical science. Mm -hmm. My passion was HIV research. And I used to say I'm going to find the cure for HIV when I was six. And somehow I ended up in HIV drug discovery. So there's also power in words. Mm -hmm. And he helped me even though it wasn't his field. And then when he couldn't, he handed me off to my mentor, Professor Massimiri Mboa, the founder of African Institute of Biomedical Sciences. Mm -hmm. And that's where I then went and got to be a forensic scientist and a medical science researcher. And his organization is the one that then partnered with Stanford University Mm -hmm. to bring them to Africa, to bring Spark to Africa, which is a program that combines scientists (coughs) from Mm -hmm. all over. Oh, wow. To to work together in one country. So that's how it then all came to here. Man, and here I was rushing for 12 years old because I'm thinking, (laughs) ah, she won't remember much before 12 years old. Let's just get into it. But you brought out a fundamental value there that foundations need to be set um, at that time from a young age. And your parents fed into it because they didn't have the answers. And, you know, as a parent, it does get annoying, you know. (laughs) When this little brain is saying, Mama, Mama, every five seconds, Mama, you know, I think uh, uh, on an average, a child will ask like 3,000 questions a day. Like, really. And as a parent, you have to have answers. And then your dad was like, Okay, I don't have the answers, but I'm sure there's a book um, that has all these answers. The book was my mom's idea. Oh, the book was mom's idea. Yeah, my yeah. mom is the one who made me a reader. She uh-huh. actually forced me. Um, again, foundation, when I yeah. was great. Two, three, she said, every week you shall write an English, uh, two English uh, reports. This is outside of school. Read a book, write two reports, English, uh, two, and then Shona one. I did do the English. I failed on the Shona. I had okay. help. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I had someone <laughs> who would read the book for me, and then you would do the essay, <laughs> and then it. and then I'll just write when they give me the summary because they were scary as well. Yeah, yeah. The first one had a man seeing a thing on the wall saying "icho icho," and I was like, and no. "You're like, no, I'm not." I was doing grade that. three, and you're like, "No, that's too no, graphic for that's me. Too much. Let's not be doing those things." No. So we've got half of ZB Bank tuned in <laughs> at this moment, and I'm sure it's because of your dad. <laughs> so just say hi, dad, and then we can just. Like um, hi, Dad. Hi, Cynthia. Yes, move on with the interview. <laughs> move on with the interview. You spoke um, big about your, your your parents' influence. At what point in your life do you think, um, if your parents hadn't stepped in, it would have been late? Um, there are many significant points, mm-hmm. but I think one thing I can credit my parents with is that they never wanted to make me anyone outside of who I was. Um, my parents are from a commercial background. My dad's a banker. My mom's a chartered accountant. Then it goes all the way back with their siblings. Uh There was no one doing science. But through me, I'm happy to think I motivated my two cousins Mm -hmm. because one's a medical lab technologist and another one, I think I could just call her um, a plant whisperer. She's got a master's in plant breeding and stuff. And they're all C's, so we're like the triple C scientists. Okay. And there was no one doing science um, like me. And Mm -hmm. my parents, instead of saying, I was good at accounts, I was good at everything, to be honest. And And everyone thought I would go into commercials because it was what my parents were good at. But I wanted science, and my parents helped me get that, even... Mm if it wasn't what they understood. Because even when I wanted to go to university, my first choice was the BSc, but I got into pharmacy and law. And my parents were like, what will you do with a BSc? Pharmacy is uh, science, but it wasn't what I wanted. And I was quite unhappy. It was okay. And you just did it. It wasn't what I wanted, but they were able to hear me out and... I eventually switched degrees, and here I am. And are you happy with the choice? I am. I am, actually. But I find it ironic that I ended up becoming a pharmaceutical chemist anyway. (laughs) Like, it happened anyway. A few weeks ago, it was the International Day of the Girl Child, and they, 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 they focused on career. And on the career side of things, they were they were pushing girls towards STEM. They did something big in Vic Falls, and it was STEM related. related. Would you say more and more women are getting into STEM, or is it uh, okay? Are they being forced to get into STEM? Like we don't have enough women in STEM, Saka. Let's just grab as many women as we can and force them to get into STEM. Or are they willingly getting into a STEM career? I think women are willingly getting into this career. And it's noticeable because there were already few women in in the career to begin with. Okay. I'm often the only woman in the room uh, during trainings. And it's it's something that can also be intimidating. So you have to know that. That it can be intimidating to be the only one or the first. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes the environment is not so conducive for a woman, especially a young woman. Right. Right, to be in that space. So a lot of women are getting together 
to be in that space. And we now have a lot of organizations like one that I represent. It wasn't in my bio. Right. It's called the Organization for Women uh, in Science from Developing Countries. It's a UNESCO initiative. It's got chapters around the world in developing countries. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud to say I'm an executive committee member for the Zimbabwean chapter. And we actually have the second Women in Science conference um, happening in December. Last year we had one and we had other lady scientists from different countries coming. And we don't just work with men. That's what I need men to understand. (laughs) For this organization, we actually have a a specific designation called Friends of OWSD. You don't have to be a scientist. You don't have to be a woman to participate and help science the cause of science move forward Mm -hmm. because development and innovation come from science. Nothing can progress without science. And I'm sure COVID showed everyone that you need us Mm -hmm. so much more than Uh, you thought. COVID COVID showed us a lot. Besides the whole science aspect of things, COVID showed us who we were as human beings. (laughs) And COVID showed us our limits, the number of things that we limit ourselves in. COVID showed us a lot. And I think maybe that's where the new generation is getting, let's call them the guts, to go for for things that we maybe weren't as daring to go for. That's it. And I would like to believe, as I said, OWSD and other organizations have paved the way for the younger crop of girl scientists coming up, Mm -hmm. even the boy scientists, because I believe once both sides see the value in each other, We can work together. I don't believe in giving someone something because of their gender or any other thing except merit. Thank you. So I don't believe that you you should... Thank you. Someone said it. Yes. I don't believe you should hire women scientists because because they're no women scientists or because they're women, but because you should hire scientists regardless that they're women. They are a scientist, period. Yes, period. And they're good at what they do. And they're good at what they do. Oh, man. You know, I'm, I always have a headache around this thing where women enter industries that are male-dominated and they feel like they should get first pick or first-hand pick because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, it's fine. It's cute. But um, um, <laughs> then what? Then what? What are you literally bringing to the table? You know that, that whole statement, I want a seat at the table. Okay, fine. You get a seat at the table. And then don't, don't. And then what? And you know, on that, that's another note. Women are creating their own tables. That's also what's happening in the science world. Look at OWSD. Another one is a good friend and someone I work with, Stelo Dube. Oh, I love Stelo. Stelo does the most. She is awesome. She is. She is. And so you see what she's doing. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to make my own table and you're going to come to my table. And they are coming, and they are to, coming her to her table. She, she, she has made science like so beautiful. She and has, girls being and in science, cool. It's so cool. I remember when she started with that um, initiative. and I Elevate was like, trust. Yeah. I was like, I, me, personal, I am going to, I want to be a scientist. And I was like checking the clock here. Like, what can I do to get myself into it? Because believe it or not, one of the subjects I did really well at in school was my science. And then... Um, when I majored in uh, like in college, it it had to do with anatomy and physiology, cosmetic chemistry. What? I did I did the whole somatology course, but I thought they were just going to teach me how to paint nails, do a <laughs> manicure, pedicure, and then before I knew it, it was first year of med school. I'm like, what the heck? 
am I doing here? And I fell in love with it even more, learning about the body, learning about, you know, mixing chemicals to get this and that. So there's a certain angle of my life, a certain part of my life that, that likes the whole science aspect of things. So when science is spoken about, I get excited because I'm like, what, what have I been missing out on? Then when we meet women like you who are really like into, into the things, I'm just like, oh, wow, see the possibilities. <laughs> And see, see the possibility. This is why um, my passion or one of the projects I want to do is demystify science mm-hmm. and make it a family um, thing. Almost something I saw when I went to the States. Right. Um, there's a state park. So part of the fellowship is not all fun and games. In fact, it's not all fun. In fact, yeah. it's 90% work because you learn literally a whole semester in six weeks of right. leadership training. You go to school eight to five, then you go networking every day. Every day. For six weeks. Except for weekends, but the weekends are not really yours because then that's when you do the social networking stuff. Right. So even the evenings, you'd finish like at 11 p.m. I -hmm. barely had time to talk to anyone because of the time zones. And then you go into into all of that stuff. So we would also have to do community service. Um, So we went to, yeah, we had to do like four. Um, different types mm-hmm. of community service. This one was my favorite because it was sciencey, and how they did it was the state park, and they showed us how they're using the locals to keep the water clean mm-hmm. and to actually take readings. So people register to become. I forgot they gave it a cute name. They right. get a little lab coat uh-huh. and a little box. It's not even really that deep science. It's deeping for pH and observing (laughs) if the water is cloudy and stuff. But people love it. And the more you do it, you get ranked up, you get a bigger kit and bigger title. But it's literally science and they're being taught how to preserve the environment. Mm -hmm. And we have issues with litter, with wood, firewood cutting, different issues. And I feel if we bring science demystified to the community, to the children, to the families, Mm -hmm. and it starts on that level, because science is a lot. It's not just us making COVID vaccines. It's you knowing that plastic is not biodegradable, so don't throw it in the road. Because Tomorrow you're going to be saying the streets are dirty. Say it louder for the people in the back. Don't throw plastic in the road. (coughs) Or paper. Thank you. I drive behind people that I itch to just like park my car. And I'm like, why are you littering? Stop it. See, if science was taught (sighs) in them that, you know, these are things I just know. Um, pills are biodegradable. I just know that. It's yeah, yeah. In a country where we can put recycling, then people now know that, you know, this goes there. And I feel like if we start with us in our homes, teaching each other, Thank that you. basic science that you say is grade one science, it's all in there. It's all in there. It's Thank all you. in there. But we prioritize other subjects for some reason mm-hmm. because we think mm-hmm. science is too hard or it's for certain people. But science is for all of us. No, I think science, especially in African homes, is for doctors. Like if you do science, you're going to be a doctor. And, I, and, it's, and, and I'm that's also it. called doctor by people. And I say I'm not that doctor. I want to be, but I've stopped (laughs) explaining. Like, it's okay. Yeah, doctor me all you want. Thank you. Because people come and they're sick and I say, they say, but you're a medical. I'm like, oh, gosh. 
like, not the same. Like it's, it's not the same. Oh my gosh, there's lots that needs to be just. But the problem is, I do know how to help people with, yeah. with their issues because I worked in medical diagnosis. And, and the pharmaceutical side yeah. of things also lets you know so what medicines work. it worse. Oh my goodness. Uh, it is uh, Capital 100.4 FM. We've got Shamenka here in studio. Uh, she is a scientist extraordinaire. That's all I'm going to say uh, uh, for now. If you have any questions, contributions, or comments that you want to send through, 0719-104-04 is the WhatsApp number to get in touch with us. Um, now we, we want to get into um, Shemaine and the things that she stands for. Okay. I know for a fact, uh, because of you know, I've spoken to you before, uh, this interview, so I know there's certain things um, that you stand for. And... We want to talk about those things and any mentorship program that you have for young girls because of either things that you've been through or things that you know are happening with women and women are being marginalized and it's just like, ah, it's a girl thing. It's not that big. We, I want to get into Michelle's okay. world, I mean, Charmaine's world in that uh, aspect. Okay, so I'll start. There are two aspects in terms of, actually there are three I'm a mental health, I'm a big ambassador for mental wellness. Okay. I believe people should seek help, therapy, whatever. Mm -hmm. People need to seek help because mm -hmm. every single one of us has childhood issues, trauma. Yeah. Every single one of us has life issues that have forced us to react certain ways or certain things. And I believe for you to achieve who you're meant to be, you need to know yourself and you need to figure out yourself through therapy or something for you to be your best self. So I'm big on that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also big on endometriosis awareness um, because I'm an endo warrior myself. And what endometriosis is, is a sexual, a woman's sexual and reproductive health disease or condition where the cells that grow in the uterus grow anywhere outside the uterus um, and they still behave as they should be in the uterus and this causes women and girls a lot of pain and a lot of issues and because a lot of people don't know what endometriosis is most girls grow up being told it's jeko and and also what makes it worse is there's no treatment for it there's no cure for it and there's no one size fits all treatment there's no cure i personally have had three surgeries absolutely no cure there's no cure come on scientists do something for us we're trying <laughs> <laughs> we need man we need money <laughs> that is the thing we need people in business people in economics to support to us with the money all. because you see what happens with science people think want immediate results. But science is mm -hmm. not immediate. It can take 25 years to make a discovery. So oh, wow. we need that patience. Right. And for endometriosis, there's a support network called the Zimbabwe Endometriosis Support Network. Mm -hmm. So if you're a young girl or woman listening to me who knows someone, who is someone, or a young man, or 
boy who thinks they have someone who is always in pain, mm. who might have any of these issues, please look for Zimbabwe Endometriosis Support Network on Instagram or on Facebook. And we will add you to our support network where we have luncheons. You're free. Part of how I'm able to do what I do is these amazing ladies, my endo sisters. Right. When I was in the States and I was sick and depressed, I'll just write, guys, I'm not okay. And they're just beautiful souls mm-hmm. who sometimes someone will send you a care package. These are strangers. Aww. And all we are united by is the fight against endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, adenomyosis, all of that. And we would love everyone to join us because uh, one woman down is a whole nation down. And it's one in 10 women. In Zimbabwe, we are 20, are we 20 million? How many are we? The last, is it not 16? Yes, that yeah, means there are 1.6, at least 1.6 million women who are suffering right now. I almost said 18. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I got 18 from, but yeah. yeah. Um, so, so out of that population... 1.6 million. And remember, this is 10% approximated based on diagnosis. And I told you it takes 7 to 20 years for a woman to get diagnosis. Personally, it took 20 years. And I happened to have a supportive family and had the means to get, you know, the expensive surgery to diagnose me. And yet it still took so long. Mm. So think about all those girls without all those young women in the rural areas who don't even know the basic science of menstruation. How do they know? And you know, it's scary when you don't know what you're going through because I can never tell you how painful endo is and you'll understand it. I don't think I can. Um, I, I tried to to explain it in the best way. Like, does it feel like that? I think I had an episode when I was 20 years old. I've never had a period pain like that. I thought I was dying. And someone said to me, well, someone with endo goes through that almost on a daily basis yep. in their life. And I went through that for one day. <laughs> I was throwing up. I was dizzy. My back was sore. My womb was sore. My legs were swollen. It, I was like, what? And then your brain is, is like on? slow. I, I I think I missed school that day. Exactly. I was going to college. I think I missed school that day. My dad thought, she's pregnant. <laughs> she's pregnant. I told you this girl was going to, you know. And my stepmom, bless her soul, she was like, Chamu. That's my dad's name. Uh. He's like, Chamu. Just let her go through what she's going through. I remember fit, I finished eating breakfast and all I wanted to do was bleh. And I was throwing up the whole day. and But it was just that one day. And then I went on my period the next day. And I was like, why? Why should I suffer? And that's why I ask, is it necessary? Is it necessary? Like, wh- why? I, I remember I was like, no, being a woman. Mm-mm. And you know, there are myths that have a baby, it'll stop it. Surgery, nothing cures endo. Nothing stops endo. And if you have a woman in your life who has endometriosis, trust me, what you think she's going through, it's probably 10 times worse. I was even reading the other day, it's most people, I even asked my endo sisters, say endo pain is worse than childbirth. For context, endo pain is ranked in the top 10 most painful things a human being can overcome. Because the pain doesn't go away. And the pain is different. There's nerve pain. So your nerves get so used to pain, sometimes they're just firing off pain signals Mm -hmm. when there's no trigger. Then there's the pain of the endometrial flesh pressing on the wrong thing. Then there's the excess hormones. So it's a lot. Mm -hmm. But that's on the endo. You asked what I stand for. The third thing I stand for 
is science. <laughs> it's the best thing I stand for, I think. What about and the science so that is it in that science? For? Um, I stand for everyone getting a chance. I don't only stand for girls. I stand for everyone getting a chance. I mentor boy children as well. Oh, no, I mentor please. adults. I mentor children. I'm, I mentor everyone who wants to get into science. As mm. long as that's what you want to do. I don't care if you're a 50-year-old um, accountant and you decide you want to do medical school. Come, let's figure it out. That's what you want as long as it's your passion mm -hmm. or figure out how to bring science into your accounting. I have a lot of people who are realizing that the world is now multidisciplinary yes, and we need definitely. each other. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage people from other fields who've never seen themselves working in science to figure out how they can bring science into their work because science primarily tech is changing the world. It is. And I worked at the supercomputer. People don't even know we have a supercomputer in Zim. But we do. Look at my eyes. Did you just see <laughs> that? I'm like, what? Yes, we do have a supercomputer. Um, there are only about 10 in Africa. Mm -hmm. And Zimbabwe got one 2014. What does a supercomputer do? What? So, how is that beneficial? So to... a supercomputer is actually what helps me do what I do. <coughs> okay. I do drug discovery. Um, Computer-aided drug discovery. So... Instead of looking for medicine, taking so much time testing on, you know, people, animals to figure out if something can be a drug or in the lab. Ah. We start off on the computer. We okay. know the chemistry. Mm -hmm. Super clever people design software that mm -hmm. can mimic what we want the experiment to look like. And then we can tell if there's potential for something to become a drug. Yeah. So instead of screening 100,000 compounds manually, you can put them into a software. We call it virtual screening. Mm -hmm. You say, I want the top 10. You get the top 10. Wow. You work with them until you get to the last maybe five. And then you take those into the lab. So it mm -hmm. saves you time. It saves you money. saves you manpower. And also, it saves you sight. It gives you a more accurate um, job, mm -hmm. which is what happened with COVID. People don't understand how the drugs came up so fast. It's yeah. the advancements in technology like that. So, for example, where people from other fields can come in, mm -hmm. this company called Nanum, it makes VR, go it makes VR games. Okay, yeah. It went and spoke to Meta mm -hmm. because they make the Oculus 2. Right. And they said, can we partner so that we make a software for scientists to virtually meet to design COVID drugs since people cannot meet cannot in real meet. time. Oh and the goodness. software allows you to actually interact with the molecules in 3D. Which Love was it. the issue. Love it. What? <laughs> what? Look at the things that are happening around us. And all we were like, where's the vaccine? <laughs> Why? The vaccine is Why going to change our DNA. <laughs> yeah, it's just... And shall we had questions, okay? We had questions <laughs> because we didn't know who was behind that vaccine. And then... You know, those videos that kept on coming out didn't help the situation. Don't take the vaccine. And you're like, what? Should we die? What are we like? Oh, my gosh. Um, you, you, you also are a big on HIV medication. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that. Um, most people don't understand that HIV is specific to countries. Wait, no. <laughs> Charmaine, you're a scientist. and <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so there's HIVA. That was the original. You know how COVID is mutating? Okay, yes, yes. That's yes. the same story with HIV. So HIVA, HIVB, they're like, HIVA was the first one. And then A, I trained my department, gender. Then B. Then we have C. We don't only have C. So in South Africa, we have CSA. 
and then in Zimbabwe we have CZW. CZW actually we don't only have one, uh-huh. like, which is why you can find out who gave you HIV. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. Uh. The drugs we have in the world are made by the countries that have A and B. Meaning that the current ARVs on the market are not I'm as not efficient s- for our strains. Hence, I'm with the research group I'm with, the Catalysis and Peptide Research Unit. Mm. It's one of the only ones in the world researching HIV-C strains and finding medication or improving the current treatments to work better for our strains because it's a regional issue if we cannot stop it from south africa when the truck drivers pass zimbabwe going that's one of the biggest routes that spreads hiv through the region and so they're they're, they're bringing it from that side and they're crossing and they have women at various points along the route And those women, when they stay behind, have part-timers who come that and feel in the vacancy. The and, then, and then the reason that it then keeps going. So I also, someone you didn't mention in my CV who is very fundamental to my PhD is the Schlumberger Foundation. Schlumberger. I am also proudly a faculty of the Future Fellow. Mm-hmm. They fund women who are doing PhDs and postdocs in STEM who are mentors, okay. who are STEM advocates and, and empowering young girls in STEM fellowships. And they're quite generous. Mm-hmm. And they're in Europe and they're just like, go do your thing, girl. So when I tell people I get paid to learn, they think I'm joking, but I do. And I get to then get that information and help other people. Mm-hmm. And so for HIV, for my master's, for example, yeah. I believe in biological molecules because I think they have less side effects on the body. Already HIV is doing a number. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give you medication that's going to be too heavy on your system. Okay. And I already know the toll of extreme medication having endometriosis. Mm. So I believe also the body will be slower to recognize it as a as a drug that's foreign and so it has more time to work. So my research group is called peptide catalysis and peptide because we are also one of the only research groups in the world looking into peptoids as medicine. They're smaller right. units of proteins to put it simply. Yeah. So because proteins are already in your body it's easy to find. It's easy for your body to handle and your body is less likely to reject it as a okay. medicine. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, because it's cheaper to make medicines from biomolecules, so it'll make it more sustainable for us mm-hmm. as less economically developed countries to continue making our own drugs. And I also believe because we have so much bio resources as Africa, mm-hmm. we have so many plants that have medicinal effect. We can then what? use those to actually economically develop our region and give solutions to the world from Africa. Because my mantra is African solutions by Africans for African problems. Mind-blowing. My question now then is, um, I saw a, um, a post, I think a couple of weeks ago, that had a, um, a new HIV drug, like some ARVs, but it had now like a blue label on it formulated in South Africa and they were so excited about it. Does that then mean they stop taking the ARVs that were coming from abroad and they now need to take the one that was formulated for them in South Africa? So again, with any disease, each person's biology, that's another issue I didn't even go into Mm -hmm. because I have so many loves. That's pharmacogenomics. 
um, that Professor Masimiri Mboa is actually very key in and he's actually designed a kit that will help Zimbabweans um, test if you're particularly um, able to catalyze or use a certain drug because our Mm -hmm. genetics are different in the world. That also affects HIV. So, for example, if Favirens, half of the people who were getting the drug did not have the capacity to break it down. So it was building in their bodies. Mm -hmm. So that's the same with all of these drugs on the market. It has to fit you and how the HIV is impacting you. So that drug that's on the market may have certain indications that it works for. Remember, there's first line, second line, third line. There's tons of different drugs. Yeah. So... Ending up of a city, a tablet is a tablet. And then here's the scary (laughs) part. None of them, (coughs) except that one, have been done on HIVC. Which is the one that that we have. Okay, that's a story for another day because now I can see question marks everywhere. Like, what have we been taking? Oh, you know, it works. It It works, works, but it's not the best. It's not the best. It has kept people alive. Yeah, it's like putting biscuits. Pataya, mota, kanaya, rapera. Mota ino famba. Ino famba. Mota enda fikos. But mota ino famba. I know to end. Oh not my goodness. End. We've got five minutes before the interview shuts down. Messages are coming through. Uh, Anzi, hello, Shemaine. I'm a musician, um, but I'm a lover of science, and I did MPBC at A level. One day I'll get back to it because, but, but, but music is my passion. Please give us your details for those interested in pursuing oh. science. Also, I have a friend with rheumatoid arthritis and uh, fibromyalgia. Malaysia. Malaysia. That's Malaysia. Malaysia. Fibromyalgia. Would you happen to know any support groups? Okay. So, firstly, on music, there's so much to me. I also did music. I played the piano. Keyboard, recorder, harmonica. So on music, music is science. (laughs) Music is science, please. The best scientists are artists. The best artists are scientists. The best surgeons are musicians. So please don't stop your passion for music and science. Figure out how to bring them together. For ease of contacting me, because my contact details are going to change, Find me on LinkedIn on yeah. Shamane Kahia. You can find me on LinkedIn. Find me on Twitter. My handle is at Bucky B B U C K E E Y B. And I think those will be the easiest for me to get back to you fast. B U C K E E Y B. But the best is LinkedIn. Yeah. And, and then that's Shemaine I can with the give C. You. Yes. Okay. That's Shamane with the C on uh, LinkedIn. Shamane Kahia. On uh, LinkedIn. On rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure of su- of support groups, but I know there should be because even conditions like lupus have support groups in Zimbabwe, but people are just not aware because maybe you don't have the, the condition or you're not aware someone close to you has it until you do. So I would advise him maybe to check on social media um, Facebook, look for arthritis, RRA support groups or Zimbabwe. Oh, okay. Or look for an association that um, deals with arthritis and then you'll find support groups or fibromyalgia. At what age does arthritis kick in? Because there's certain things my knees used to do and now it's like, Jesse, you don't know. I think those knees go away at 28. <laughs> Standard. After that, Jesus is your rock. <laughs> But but arthritis for women, here's mm-hmm. the thing. 
women, our bodies, a lot of the stuff that happens to us are governed by enzyme. Um, I mean, hormones. Mm-hmm. And women are prone to what's called osteoporosis and ah. arthritis based on calcium being controlled by things like estrogen in their body. Endometriosis, things like endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you don't take extra calcium... The, the the hormonal supplements you take, the medication, they weaken your bones. Okay. Women who are on contraceptives, general contraceptives, they need to go get calcium supplements because it weakens it your weakens. bones. Oh, wow. Women who are perimo- premenopausal, perimenopausal, menopausal, mm-hmm. they have to, have to, have to go get those um supplements you can go to the pharmacy and ask calcium supplements for for menopausal women they're actually called menopausal um supplements or something they have calcium magnesium at 55 or whatever she breaks a hip so you become prone to arthritis as a woman you're already prone then certain things already make you more prone so any age can it can come yeah i knew it man I knew it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a few seconds before we get into news. Uh, Anzina Mija in Borodal. Greet Charmaine for me. We went to the same high school by oh, Gateway. Really? However, she was in the class um, for the very smart ones. <laughs> she was a boffin. She was a boffin. Sorry, who's Mija? Can you Facebook Mija, me? Anzindi, please Facebook me. You called me out on radio. Um, Anzi, I'm listening to you, Vanue, and I'm very impressed. How can I meet you? I have a herb working for my mother, and her doctor doesn't want to use it. It is working wonders even without pills. Can I comment on herbs? I am a proponent of herbs, but, but, but anything that you take into the body has a positive and a negative effect. Mm -hmm. Herbs are not tested so it's unknown. Yes, they have a positive, but you don't know the dangerous. I have a publication to that effect that I did in my undergrad, uh, my honors that use it, right. where we took a drug, a plant people used, and tested it. Mm-hmm. And it was very toxic. It works, but it's very toxic. Uh, 773, I shall be giving Charmaine your number mm. and she will be in touch. Pulses, thank you so much for tuning in on She Diaries. Charmaine Kahia, superwoman of note. It is one o'clock. Stand by for the news. The Pulse with Becky K on Capital 100.4 FM.